Osiris. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com. Welcome in to episode 71 of The Bluest Tape. I'm Harvey Couch alongside Jeff Kolath. And thanks for joining us as we take our weekly journey through the live catalog of Widespread Panic. Um, Jeff, how's it going? It's going all right. I didn't have a life-changing experience <laughs> over the weekend you- like you did. You already had your life-changing experience at well, Rhode Island at the end of June. I sort of did. Um, I actually uh, I went to a family wedding, which is why I couldn't go to uh, Nashville with you. And I won't go into the long thing, but I saw my mom get really, really mad. And my I, my mom, I think, has gotten... It's the first time my mom has maybe gotten really, really mad around me since uh, senior year of high school. Is she, uh, is she, was it something from the podcast that she heard or? Yeah. I mean, obviously she got really upset about some of the selections we've made over the the 70 episodes. Um, Why didn't you go to Nashville, Jeff? Well, you know, she's, she's a big George era fan. And I mean, I really think that she was pushing us to do more uh, early, uh, you know, late 05, early 06. Mm. um, Prime George, as we like to call it in my house but um but anyway no so that wasn't like it wasn't necessarily life-changing but it sure was weird so is everything okay with mako last or oh yeah i think it, it cleared up uh okay if um I, there's nobody that listens to this that knows me so I, <laughs> I would say if if you if you knew me and saw how my mother acted over the weekend you'd be like that's how you act and be like yeah that's mm. that's, that's right so yeah okay um, yeah, so I was in Nashville last weekend and um, only made it to one of the panic shows. Um, I, I tried to facilitate a Sunday night show, if that tells you my opinion of the Saturday show, that I wanted to stick around, but um, I may not have had a had a family to come home to if I had <laughs> stretched it out another day. So I, I made the, I think I made the wise choice, but um yeah, no, I had a really good time. I mean, I've got a pretty, I have a couple of good stories about the experience, but as far as the music goes, um, it was really good. I think probably the biggest complaint that I maybe heard either there or after, after the fact was that the, um, the set lists were generally sort of lacking of, you know, quote unquote bust outs. Um, there weren't any, you know, big you know last time played songs or even first time played or anything like that so um but in some ways you know maybe that was for me at least better that that didn't um affect my opinion you know like if they had played a bunch of crazy um you know covers that i would that that might have shaded my opinion to to think that it was a better show than maybe it actually was and so that i that i took it more sort of 
face value of the actual music and playing as opposed to what the what kind of um, goodies they they picked out for the set list so um yeah i had a good time on on paper especially the first sets but on which were the first sets were very much like old school panic first sets nine songs Mm -hmm. 60 minutes long i think all three of them fell right around that um but even the second sets i think were like these are the sh- these are shows they would have played in like middle of the fall tour in you know whatever year in Ames and Cedar Rapids and Minneapolis or something like that. Right. Um, and again, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think what your your observation is correct because I do think that if you would have gone and they would have played, you know, Werewolves and Lawyers Guns and Money or right. something for the first time, you would have sure. been texting me like, "This was amazing! I bought Milwaukee tickets." <laughs> right. um, I think now you're more like, "Those shows are really good, and I really enjoyed them, and why well, we have something to talk about." But it's, but it's, I think it was just more of revisiting, um, more revisiting the past in, in an accurate way, mm-hmm. not in terms of coloring it like every show was October 20, 27, 28, 29 of 2000. Yeah. No. And, and, and I, you know, and I have, I don't know that I've done it so much on this podcast, but, but I have given grief to, to panic 3.0 and 3.1 uh, of being, of leaning a little too heavily on, you know, bust outs and, um, you haven't done it as much on here, but you and I have talked about it a lot. Yeah. And just like, come on guys, like play, play a straightforward show. You don't need to, you know, it doesn't need to be, you know, kitschy every, every night, you know? And, um, that's, that's fine for Halloween or maybe even new year's, but, uh, so yeah, I guess I got my comeuppance on that. (laughs) Um, and, but, but it was good. So, um, you know, and they, they did a few, you know, we, I had a, uh, an inverted, uh, machine bar stools, which was cool. And, um, you know, uh, but other, you know, other than that, it was pretty straightforward, uh, you know, and a, a, it wasn't a standard drums, which also was cool. So, um, yeah, I had, a, I had a good, I had a really good time, uh, with the music. So, um, I think one of the the clips we're going to play from the show you into the little Lily and the climb to safety at the end of the first set, it was, I was listening to, I listened to it again today at work and I listened to it. I guess it's like the third time I've listened to it, I think. And it is so, it is such a blast from the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you just hear it. it it's just Lily straightforward. There's a great tight, nice jam. Jimmy, I think, I don't know if what you were going to talk about all of it, but you had sort of previewed it the other day when we chatted. Um, is that one of the reasons why I think I probably like, I'm liking this band a little bit more now and maybe you are too, is because Jimmy's not doing the machine gun sort of, let's see how many notes I can play in the shortest amount of time. As much. As, as much, as much. He's still doing it. But he's not doing it as much. I do right. think that he was doing a lot of it. Uh-huh. Um, it seems like, you know, you mentioned something before we started recording, which is, you know, I feel the band is, pro- and I totally agree with you. I think the band is playing better and tighter and they're more comfortable in this format than they were the last time that they went out on a long tour. 
the format being not not a traditional tour, yeah, but just sort of nights, you know three days, yeah take two or three weeks off, three nights, you know, take a month off, go to places they like, go to places that they're comfortable. Um, but I do think that this this run is so much different than what you maybe would have seen a year or two ago if they would have done this, where it would have been bust out after bust out mm-hmm. and and such. And it just was like, there were just three regular, well-played panic shows. Right. And I guess maybe that's a change in, you know, in their new touring strategy that, 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 you know, every weekend run can't be, you know, bust out, bust out. You have to have some regular shows in there. Um, and that's fine, right? And uh, it's as long as they play them well, and you know um, they're well structured. And I think that's that's what we got. So um, you, had, I mean, the other thing that you had said um, was you talked about JB and how he's sort of. I mean, he is sort of the bellwether in a lot of ways. I mean, I do think that the lead guitar is always the bellwether for widespread panic concerts and what the band. But JB is also somebody where we've talked about engaged JB a lot, but you mentioned something about JB and his singing style and how he's kind of settled into his age a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, we've touched on both of those. I think the two things that have, have turned me off on this version of the band, um, just sort of, you know, through the years have, have been, um, Herring's, both his tone and his volume of notes played. <laughs> um, and he's not I, economical. Right, right. And and I think he's improved on both of those. And I don't know that it's been a conscious thing. I think it's maybe just where he is right now. Um, I, the, the, and it's also, you know, it's one of those, you know, it's not you, it's me. I mean, this is, I think, more of a me thing. Like the, the tone that he has leaned on over the last... Um, Oh, I don't even know. I mean, because I don't know well enough to know, but pretty much I feel like every show that I've heard um, since 06, the sort, and I don't even know, I need to get, I need to find a clip and play it for a guitar player to tell me what it is. But it's like this sort of like underwater, like, I don't know if it's, his, if it's a wah-wah or if it's like some pedal that he uses, but it literally, I mean, it, I, I hate it. It drives me crazy. And I felt like he played it almost every solo before. And I only heard it a couple times in Nashville. And it was so slight that it actually was like, oh, well, I can handle it in those doses. Right. And um, so it's that. And then I think obviously the volume of notes. And I think maybe that is more of a conscious thing that just to try to dial it back a little bit. Um, so those things on on Jimmy have improved for me personally, for my enjoyment. And then on the JB side, I do feel like, and I don't know when this started, I feel like it's been the last few years. And I think it's most likely just a result of, you know, the number of shows and, um, and his age and that, that he's just really not quite able to sort of pull off all of the, things that he used to be able to pull off. And I think it, he would end up sort of kind of going high on a lot of things when he was trying to like um, go really fast or really loud on things. And, um, and yeah, so I, and I mean, I'm, I'm trying to describe it cause I, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a, a professional singer, but it does seem that I've noticed it this year more that he is um, a little more kind of restrained in his, in his vocal approach and 
I don't know if that's a new thing or maybe it has to do with the fact that they're not playing as much. Um, and that, you know, it's almost more like, you know, people, um, you know, like kind of dead in company, like, I don't know. And I don't know if that's so much Bobby or what, but, you know, just sing a little bit slower and you can hit your spots when you need to, you know, you don't have to sing like you're a 25 year old anymore. Like we know that you're not. Um, so sing the words and, you know, maybe a little more restrained. And then when, when you need to, you can really go after it as opposed to trying to stay at a, at a higher level, um, constantly. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I, I think it's maybe the reduced number of shows has helped. Um, you know, it's a, what lifestyle changes, if any, have been made. I'm sure there have been some made because these guys aren't as young as they used to be. Mm. But I do think that you're right, is that it's um, the band, I think, sounds more comfortable together than they have in the time that I've been listening to this version yeah. of the band. And I, and I think I think Dwayne is better than he was. You know, I think he feels more comfortable than Dwayne is a big part of it. Uh, I think, and I've mentioned this before, but it's 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 really he's not doing anything that's sort of I don't think night and day different, but there it, it's just that that backbeat, that solid backbone of the band is just there constantly, and it's and it's different than what it was before. I mean. Uh, no, I don't want to throw any shade at Todd, but no. I mean, and I mean, I love Todd and it's just, it is a little different, but I do feel like that, that <clears throat> but I Dwayne think it's, a, it's, yeah, it's a better than he was, you know, a year ago, even. So it's, it's just, things are better. And again, everybody that's been listening to this band and following this band, I was like, well, what time you guys got on the bus? It's like, well, it's, you know, um, you know, we're older now. We've matured a little bit where maybe we're a little bit more, more open-minded. Uh, maybe we're just looking to latch on to something in this time of great national uh, <laughs> uncertainty. Uncertainty. Um, and, and, maybe and that's it. And it, it, know. it, you know, and and it, and it may come back to the, you know, it's not, it's, it's not you, it's me. I mean, you know, that I think it helped at least for me that that I did sort of take a break, and you know, um, I was able to kind of come back and be like, oh, this feels good again. You know, uh, I'm not really not comparing it with what it what it was because that's so far in the in the past whereas you know in 2007 2009 it still felt pretty pretty close to 2001 and 2 um whereas now it really does feel like a long time ago that this can be a a different band so um you know mad props to those folks who have been on the train all along um and you know uh, I hope you'll I hope you'll make a little bit of room for me to get on every once in a while. Um, okay, but important things. Um, did you see? Give us the objectionable lot shirt rundown from <laughs> Ascend Amphitheater. So, were there any proto Confederate shirts? <laughs> no, I did not see any proto Confederate shirts. Um, okay, good. I will I will say this as far as our experience on uh, Saturday at the venue, which is, a, I think, a really cool venue. Um, a couple points. One was sort of our fault in that, um, I mean, I've always been a got to get there, got to get there early, can't miss, you know, got to be in my seat with my beer, you know, go to the bathroom, do everything so you can be in your seat when the lights go down. Um, 
And I was sort of like, you know, eh, it's not that big a deal anymore for me. So um, me and the, and the folks that I was with, uh, I, I were, you know, we weren't super intense about making sure we got there. Um, and so we, we were staying, um, I don't know the name of the neighborhood, but it was basically between downtown and Germantown. And um, so it was like a 25, 30 minute walk about a, you know, eight minute Uber ride. And so we left the place at like seven, uh, maybe six fifty, And the show was the night before it gone on at seven twenty. So we were like half an hour from showtime. Um, and we're, you know, eight minutes away in an Uber. And, um, and of course the Uber driver takes the wrong route and takes us like through downtown instead of around it. And, um, so it takes longer. We, he drops us off, you know, a block away and it's like, you know, five minutes to show time, which, you know, it, it, it's his fault, but it's also our fault. Cause we were not, you know, we were, you know, we should have left earlier. So we get there and the line outside is, well, it's not even a line. It is a mass of people it is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen as far as entrance into a venue. Um, there were, I think eight, metal detectors, which you had to go through. And it was literally just a mass of people. There were no barricades or lines or, well, maybe there were some like right up at the front, but, you know, it's bigger than that. I took some, I took a picture and I'll, you know, I'll post it on Facebook or something. It was just stupid. So it took us 30 minutes to get to the gate. So we hear the band start. We miss, um, take out porch ain't life grand waiting in line to get through security. Um, which, you know, 20 years ago, I would have been freaking my, my, I mean, I would have just been like, <laughs> you know, I've been like Kramer basically, but you know, I mean, I was like, well, you know, whatever, as long as it's not, you know, anything crazy. And, um, you know, what are you going to do? Right. So you just wait. And, um, so we get up to the, to the line. There's an, there's a, a metal detector and um, the, you know, the people are like, Oh, take everything out of your, take everything out of your pockets. And it, it's like, you can, you're conditioned from like going through the airports of like those body scanners that you literally have to take like every shred of paper out of your, off your body or they'll, you know, wand you. And, but it was a metal detector. And so like, I don't know why, but I basically took everything out of my pocket and I, I carry a, um, little plastic like pill container just on my body all the time. It's just like one of my little OCD things that I, that I do. And I have like ibuprofen and emodium <laughs> and blood pressure medicine. You're, you're, you're so old, Harvey. That is that really great. And so, and so like, all right, <laughs> so old. And so I take it out and I like put it down on the thing with my key, you know, with my wallet and my phone and you know, whatever. And, um, I don't even think about it. Like I literally could have walked in through the metal detector because it's a plastic container with, you know, pills in it. And I get through the metal detector and I turn around and the security dude has like dumped my pill container onto the plastic table and is like rooting through it. And I was like, what, what's going on, dude? I was like, it's ibuprofen. And you know, he's like, no, I don't know. This is not ibuprofen. Is this KP? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know what the f- KP is dude. Like, what are you talking about? 
and I may be wrong. He maybe he said something else. I don't know, but it was some drug that I have no idea what it is. And he's like, you know, oh, maybe this is it. And and I was like, man, it's you know, this is all stuff that you know, it's ibuprofen. It's stuff like for my heart and like you know, it's tums. Like seriously, just can I have it, please? And uh, he's like, well, and then he and then. I guess there's like a cop standing right there with his arms crossed and he's staring at the whole thing. And like, he's just like shaking his head. And I'm like, seriously, dude, he's like, you know, and then like, you know, there's also like 500 people waiting behind me in line. They're like, come on, come on, like, let us come through. And, um, I was just like, what, you know, what the ever, I don't just throw it away. Can I have my stuff please? And, um, and so he like he throws all my pills away and hands me my phone and wallet. And there's still I had like a roll of like Tums that I carried. And I asked the cop, I was like, Can I have the Tums? Is that cool? Or, do you mind? And he gives me a dirty look and I take my Tums and walk into the show. And um <laughs> so that was my experience on Shakedown Street, basically, was like going through the metal detector and losing all my ibuprofen and Yeah, so not much time to check out the lot scene on the t-shirts, but uh, not super thrilled with the performance of the uh, Ascend Amphitheater Security and the National Police Force, because I guess it was just like a shakedown to take people's drugs away. Um, and I, I guess I was the idiot for putting my plastic, you know, old man drugs on the uh, table next to my wallet, but, you know. Um. And the crowd itself, um, older, younger, so pretty, pretty spread around. Yeah, no, definitely not young. I guess I felt like there was going to be a younger crowd when when I gone to I went saw Sam Holt on Friday night on the, at the like the after show, and that was definitely a younger crowd. I mean, there was some some folks that were old like us, but I would say generally the crowd was a little bit younger. Which would make sense because it was really it was really late, Harvey. Yeah, I mean it showed it show started at eleven thirty, so it was like me and me, me and Curtis George sitting in the back on a <laughs> at a table and all the kids down low dancing. But um, it was uh, so I was expecting more kids after that experience, but they really weren't. It was it was you know it was mostly folks our age, um, but not many terrible lot t shirts. Uh, to to be had, and I was just you know I was so pissed by the time I got to my my spot in the first set. It took me probably till so we walk into old neighborhood visiting day makes sense to me. It was probably Jack before I had like calmed down from my rage of the of the ibuprofen shakedown getting into an amphitheater. I t- I totally understand. <laughs> Yeah, I remember uh, the only shows I've really been late to were Black Crows shows. Again, with with people that were just sort of like, yeah, they'll start whenever. Like, no, they're old. They're going to start on time. It's like, no, no, no. We got to get dinner before the show. And then right. walk in. At, show starts supposed to start at 8. They started like 8.05. We don't get there till 8.30 and we miss, you know, the first four songs. So. I get it. Um, I understand. And it, it does it does kind of suck to hear the band playing and not really be able to yeah. you know make out what they're playing and just be stuck in the line, you know, and just know that you're missing out on the show. But um everybody was cool, you know. I mean, lots of 
you know, nice people around. Um, the, the beers were, were quite expensive at Ascend. Now, you know, I'm used to, I go to sporting events. I, I am used to a, a $10 beer, but, um, not not used to like a fifteen what? to eighteen dollar beer. Yes, yes. Oh, what? Like uh, like a tall boy of Mick Ultra was fifteen dollars. And if you wanted to go high dollar, like a twenty ounce like Founders or you know local beer was seventeen dollars. Oh. Yeah, mercy, Pete. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy town. But I guess that's just downtown Nashville, which is a whole nother scene. But um, anyway, well, that I was I don't mean to that was some that was that last five minutes was some pretty good old guy radio. <laughs> but <laughs> that's all right. Well, overall, sounds like it was a good weekend, good experience. But yeah, in spite of all that other stuff, the the music was really good, and the you know the band was was on point. They seemed to be having a really good time, and. Um, yeah, and I had a good time too. So um, we've got uh, a couple selections to play. The first is going to be the uh, from the second night, Saturday night. This is the only show that I made it to. The end of the first set and then the start of the second set. Um, and uh, so we're going to play that and then uh, we'll come back and talk a little bit. And then we've got a little selection from... Uh, the Sunday night show and uh, yeah. So uh, anything, anything else I, I, I met, uh, I met a fan, um, a couple folks actually, but I met um, Lucas Stinson who was super cool to uh, hooked up with him uh, down by my seat. And um, he's from North Carolina and um, he, uh, yeah, he was super nice and, uh, and you know, appreciate his support and um and then i handed out a bunch of stickers after the show too i had like a pocket full of stickers and just couldn't quite get the feel for like how to hand them out you know like what would your strategy have been if you had gone you know if you had stickers to give out at the mud island show would you have would you just like walked around with them in your hand handing out to people or Uh, i probably would have done what you did i mean i think standing by the exit uh, as people left at mud island everybody kind of has to funnel onto the escalators to get across the yeah. bridge so it would have been pretty easy to get rid of you know a hundred of them in a fairly short amount of time um yeah you know so i, ha- I handed out a few during the show to like people that i thought looked kind of like they might be you know <laughs> um and what was funny was like, like you know it- how to use the internet here right <laughs> you look like you're my age and you'd like to listen to old people talk about panic on a podcast. But, um, yeah. So like after the show, my friends had to have bio breaks. And so I was just standing there and, um, sort of everybody funneled out and I just handed, you know, I basically just handed them out as people walked by. And, um, what was funny was, was, I mean, I think definitely, you know, I'm hoping that we got some, you know, folks to, to check out the podcast from it, but, I think generally the people that took the stickers were not necessarily our demographic. They were like younger and skewed female, like, Oh, cool stickers. And, and then like the older people like us were like, what the hell is this dude handing me? Like, I don't want your crap. So, um, 
hopefully I did a little bit of crossover there, but, uh, Hey, as long as we end up on somebody's laptop, uh, at like, (laughs) or cooler or cooler, like Belmont or Vandy or something like that. Well, I will say this, like I, I, we walked from like the point where I was handing them out, you know, out of the venue and I didn't see any like thrown on the ground or in the trash can, like immediately after the spot where I was handing them out. So I take that as a, that's a good sign. So. All right. Let's play some music. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so this is from, uh, last weekend, uh, August, what was it? First Saturday night at a sound amphitheater. Holy moly, September 1st. Um, it's going to be fall before we know it, Jeff. Even though it was 95 degrees here yesterday. Um, September 1st, 2018, from Ascend Amphitheater in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, widespread panic, and we'll start things off uh, at the end of the first set and carry things through uh, a good chunk of the second set.
Z-Man, Widespread Panic, Ascend Amphitheater, Nashville, Tennessee, 9-1-2018, FOB, DFC, KFC, ZFC, AARP, Chep, CCM4V, Lunatech V2, Sound Devices 722, Section 102, Row N, Seat 17, seven feet in the air, in the sweet spot, for show number 193 of 2018.
September 1st, 2018, from Ascend Amphitheater in Nashville, Tennessee, you heard the end of the first set, Little Lily into Climb to Safety, and then a second set with uh, drums, a little sort of mini drums opener into Barstool's into Machine, into Traveling Light, and then Cotton Was King, Busted Big, Second Skin, and a big old jam. And um, cut it off there before they went into Pilgrims. Um, Jeff, did you get a chance to listen to that? I did. It was really good. Like I said at the start, the Lily Climb to Safety, I think, was pretty great. And the, yeah, the, the drums opener was cool. The Barstools is really nice. I thought... I thought the drums was like, um, you know, it's one of those things when it's happening, you're like, what's going on? Cause I mean, the whole band is out there. So it's not like, you know, it's drums, drums. You just feel like it's the start of the start of the set. And then it kind of stretches out a little bit. And, um, there was a moment like right at the kind of end where I was like, Oh, it's let it rock. Cause you kind of drop into that, you know, boom, 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 and I was like, Oh, nice. And then, uh, but still like, I was happy. I mean, I'll take a bar stools opener anytime. Um, I think one of the reasons why drums got so stale was because it was in the same place every show. And right. it was just expected. It was going to be in the second set. It was going to be, you know, the sixth, fifth, sixth, seventh slot every night. And some nights it was short. I mean, the first time I saw Panic, I think drums was nine minutes. I think in summer to, let's see, fall of 99, like that Milwaukee show, I think drums was like 21 minutes or something like that, 18 minutes or yeah. whatever it was. Like, yeah, it's, it's just excruciating. And um, so well, if, can, if, if it would have jumped around and been put in different places and it would have been a little shorter, um, I might not have soured on it so much. It just was, mm-hmm. it was so predictable and like it just just got too long. Well, that was something I felt like they did a really good job of in the McConnell era. Yes, like they totally they really agree. did start mixing that up and you'd get it maybe first set or you get it as an opener or in the second set or you get a really short one or they do like three songs in the second set and then do a drums and then come back and do like eight or, you know, eight songs after, which is you know sort of unheard of in the Hauser era. So um, I'm glad to see that they've kind of gone back maybe occasionally to, to mixing that up and we were even after they did that, I was like, Hmm, I wonder if that's drums for tonight or if that was just the open, you know? And so as it turned out, that was the drums for the night, which was cool. Um, uh, one of the things that stuck out to me on the bar stools was, and I, I, I leaned over to my buddy and was like, you know, and this is my, you know, my relative, uh, lack of knowledge in the herring era is, so does Jimmy not play slide is like, so we, so Barstools doesn't have slide anymore. Is that, I, I mean, I literally had no idea. And, um, I mean, it still sounded pretty good, but man, I miss that. I really miss that, you know, sort of s- silky smooth searing slide, uh, that Hauser laid down, but, um, it was good. And they threw in the, the thank you and, uh, I enjoyed it and really, really dug the drop in the machine. I was not expecting that. And, uh, and having t- had that discussion, you know, on the podcast of when we did the machine traveling light, um, it was like, you know, I bet they're going to do traveling light. Cause that's really the only other option they have here. Right. Unless they're just going to stop after machine. And, uh, sure enough, they dropped in the traveling light, which was cool. Um, the cotton was King was, was fine. It, that's not a, I mean, I don't love the songs generally from the last few albums, but, um, but this one's this one's good. I like it. It was good. It's not like it's uh, 
tickle the truth into submission or flicker or anything like that. So um, it was it was fine. And then the Busted Big was really good. Actually, it had a nice long piano intro. And um, and then the second skin I thought was probably the highlight of the show. Um, they really sort of did a nice exploration and kind of dropped back into it at the end. And um, they finished up, if you didn't know, after this with Pilgrim's Impossible Imitation Leather Shoes and Mr. Soul, um, which is a good closer. But um, I sort of like the first first part of the set a little bit better. And um, I feel like, you know, like Barstools, I think Pilgrim's is one of those songs that, and, you know, I think Jack has that too. It's like there are certain songs that are just so in indelibly michael hauser songs that i just i I, it's just hard you know um no matter who's playing it and i mean i guess i'm glad they still play them but uh i felt like pilgrims and jack are those songs that are just like man if you can't make it sound like that it used to i don't know that i really want to hear it um you know i didn't like walk out or anything but it's just (laughs) it's just not it's just not what it was. No, I mean, agree. I think that's what I said. That kind of after the Memphis shows, as hard as it is to do this, you kind of have to trick your brain into into thinking it's not going to sound like it used to. It's not right. going to sound like it used to, and then just enjoy it for what it yeah. is. So, yep. Maybe that's the mind control and the thought process that everybody else has had all along. Right. <laughs> that we're just that we're now finally coming around to. We're just now finally getting it. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, um, um, so you saw this show, but you also uh, checked out Sam Holt Band on Friday. You got a couple quick comments about that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so my Friday night was fun. I left. Um, I didn't have tickets to the show, and I knew it was going to be tough because I'd have to leave. You know, leave work at lunchtime and get down there early, and so. Um, and I wouldn't be able to probably get to the Sam show just because I'm so old, you know, doing like, you know, I can't watch six hours of music in a single night. So I knew the only chance I had was to skip panic and just do Sam. And, uh, so I left after work, I got down there, um, right about seven Nashville time. And we were, where we were staying was like right next to the Nashville sounds stadium. And, um, I checked on my way down, down to Nashville and the sounds were in town and they were playing at seven. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to really be able to get to our place when the show's, you know, when the game is starting. And so I went to, uh, to bearded Iris just, you know, cause I didn't know what else to do and, um, had a couple beers, a couple fantastic beers. Um, and speaking of, have you ever gone to bearded Iris before? I have that. Okay. I mean, literally when you walk in there, I mean, it just smells like what it would, if you lived inside of a hop is what it smells like. <laughs> I mean, it's just so dank in there. It's just awesome. I love it every time I walk in, but, um, so hung out there for a little while and then it kind of cleared out and I went, went to our place, got my stuff, you know, settled and then went and had dinner at a place right next door called neighbors, I think. And, um, I'm sitting at the bar and I, I order my, you know, order a club sandwich, just sort of my standard and, um, start talking to the guy next to me. And as I find out his wife owns or is a partial owner of the place. And, um, we start chatting about SEC football. Turns out he played 
for the Florida Gators in like the late nineties. Um, and then spent eight years with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, and I was like, well, man, eight years, like you must've like played, you know, you don't just like, <laughs> you're not a backup in the NFL for eight years. And, um, so sure enough, he was, he played guard for the Titans. He was, you know, he was there. His rookie year was the Super Bowl year. Um, and, uh, he was super nice. Zach pillar was his name. And, um, so hung out with him for a little while. And then, uh, basically just wasting time until, uh, till the shit, till the Sam Holt show at the exit in. And that show was scheduled to start at 1130. Um, and the, doors opened at 10 30 and uh so i finally you know get done i take an uber over to the exit in i get there at like 10 35 maybe um and i'm like i want to get there early just you know maybe sam's around i can say hey and um you know and then that way i'd like get a seat or something because i'm you know because again i'm old and it's late and i'm not going to be able to stand up the whole time and uh so I get to the front door and they, you know, they'd clearly just opened the doors, you know, pretty recently. And the, the bouncer was like, um, you know, there's no, there's no reentry. You know, once you come in, you got to stay. And, uh, I was like, well, you know, I mean, you have a bar in there, right? Like what? <laughs> I'll be fine. And, um, so I walk in and I'm literally, literally the first person in the venue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. I guess that's why you asked. Uh, cool. But um, so I got a drink, and then uh, and Sam was still up on stage, kind of finishing up his tune in. And so I went over and said, "Hey," and he's like, oh, "I'll come back," and you know. And so I got to hang out with sort of the, with the band while they were getting ready, which was awesome. And they were all super friendly, and um, they all all you big know, fans of the pod, I'm sure. Uh, I think one of the guys said he had listened to the to the Sam Holt interview you know to the interview with sam but they were all you know um like our age and had kids our kids age and so you know we just talked about that and um you know helped you know sam asked me what wouldn't you know what to do with the set list and they'd already had one out i was like man you don't have any instrumentals on here and so he put on galleon and um i think we're he was going to close with b of d but he ended up not so um but Sam was awesome. If he's, you know, if he's listening, I appreciate, uh, appreciate the time. And, um, and so anyway, he again reiterated his, his love of 1990 and 91 era panic. So we're gonna have to have him come on and we'll do an episode uh-huh. on that. But, um, so anyway, so, but yeah. And then the show started and, um, it was great. It really was great. I mean, I would go see that those guys play anytime. Um, you know, I mean, they, he played, uh, you know, I think, I think he opened with raise the roof maybe, and they played new blue and, um, uh, and a galleon and, uh, it was great. Taylor Hicks came out and guested with him. Do you remember Taylor Hicks? Oh yeah. I love me some Taylor. Yeah. Hicks. And played harmonica and, and sang some, they did, um, Will the Circle Be Unbroken and uh, Love Light with Taylor Hicks, nice. which was fantastic. That's cool. Yeah. And um, this part of town. And uh, and then they had um, a woman named Betsy Frank, who is from Nashville, I think lives in northern Georgia now. 
and she plays with him sometimes and uh she was fantastic she sang one of her songs and then she kind of did like the jb parts of the hauser songs which is mm-hmm. which is you know kind of clutch right i mean it's like a pretty big part of i think the hauser songs is the is the sort of jb backing they did down you know which is great um iana g maybe but um it was fun. I had a great time. I was really, really tempted to go on Saturday night because I still had some a decent amount of energy after the show. And um, but my friends were ready to go back, and we walked back. It was about a half hour hike. And uh, by the time I got back to the place, it was like, eh, we'll just have a beer and and crash. So, um, but um, I hope that he keeps doing that because I had a you know I really enjoyed it, and I think other people did too. They had a good turnout. I think. Um, at least on Friday night. So, um, and got to hang out with Curtis, uh, George. It was the first time I met him in person. And, uh, so it was cool, cool hanging out with him. So, um, so yeah. Uh, so Sam was fun. So definitely go out and, and support him whenever you have a chance. All right. So let's play something from the third yeah, day. So from Sunday night, um, I, uh, I did not, uh, stick around as much as I wanted to, but, uh, you know, couldn't make it happen. So, um, did you have any set list envy? Um, not a ton because it was generally sort of like, you know, the other nights, you know, it was pretty standard fare. Um, it kind of got things going in the second set and, um, yeah, I mean, I was maybe a little bummed about missing the encore, but, um, oh, and speaking of, I want to throw this out because if there's anybody listening that was there, um, the, the crowd response after the second set before the encore was the most pathetic thing I've ever seen at a paddock show. I mean, it was, I was it literally, I was embarrassed. I, because they took a minute to come out on Saturday night. I was like, you know what? They might not come out. And honestly, I wouldn't blame them because basically the set ended and everybody sat down and didn't make any sound. It was like, seriously, people, you have to like, this is a two way street. Like you're not guaranteed an encore. You need to, you know, participate. And, um, so that was kind of a bummer. I mean, the crowd generally was pretty good. Um, but yeah, I was a little bummed about the, the energy level after the second set. Um, Well, I mean, it, it reinforces, something I've felt for a long time and the, the encore, I think is the encore is become required and not necessarily something special or unique. Yeah. It's been that way for a long time, I guess, but it's an expected thing. And I think that's how people react to it all the time. And one of my favorite things ever was we used to go see uh, these two really great musicians from the twin cities, Peter Ostrushko and Dean McGraw, and they would play at this tiny place in Galesville, not too far from where we went to school. And every time they would play Peter Ostrushko, they'd finish their set. And he's like, you know, we're going to come back. We know we're going to come back. <laughs> we're not going anywhere. Uh, Here's our encore. And then they start playing a song like that to me was so perfect. It was right. like, everybody's in on it. We know it's going to go on. But yeah. The last, uh, when we saw Tedeschi Trucks in South Haven, it was the same thing. I mean, everybody just sort of, I mean, maybe people didn't all sit down, but nobody claps, nobody makes noise. Mm-hmm. You're just like, how, the, how long is it going to take them to come back? 
Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, but the, uh, the, I mean, uh, the encore on Saturday night was really good with the city of dreams and, um, sewing machine protein drink. And then, um, and in fact, I think, um, Curtis showed me a picture of the set list from Friday night. I guess they were up against curfew because it was just a pigeons encore on Friday night. It was supposed to be pigeons protein drink. Um, so they cut that from the Friday night show and then added it at the end of of Saturday night. Um, and, uh, so yeah. So, um, did, did we, I don't know. Did we make a decision on what we're playing from Sunday? Uh, yeah, let's play the encore from Sunday night. Okay. So, um, all right, so this is the encore from Sunday night, September 2nd, uh, at the Ascend Amphitheater in Nashville, Tennessee.
September 2nd, 2018 from Ascend Amphitheater in Nashville, Tennessee. The encore from the third and final night of a three-night run by Widespread Panic. Low Spark of High Heeled Boys and then the Vic Chestnut song, Puppy Sleeps. Uh, love, love that song. Yeah, it's great. Um, that's a great addition to the to the Panic repertoire. The Low Spark was nice. Uh, good end to a pretty good weekend of music overall, I think, in Nashville. And again, I think you really hit on something at the at the outset and again it sort of played it out played out uh, looking at it on paper to hear your comments it played out kind of how i thought it would which was very well played standard set list and there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's what that's what we want right well not every night but you know what i mean like i want a band that can play a standard panic set list and it's and it'd be perfectly enjoyable so um yeah. So, do we are uh, do you have tickets to Milwaukee, or what? What's the story? Are we going? Do you have a place to stay for us? What, what's the deal? <laughs> I don't know. I uh, could get are we just a- go? Are we going to Vegas? What? What's the deal? Uh, I could probably get us a place to stay. I don't know. We might have to get miracled. We'll see what happens. Um, either that, or we'll have to sell, figure out the lot scene and come up with some some sweet t shirts using a using a gas station logos or something. Um. So we didn't do our pop culture picks of the week, but I do have a recommendation to make, and it is widespread panic related. Ah. So uh, Abstract Logics is a record label, and they put out a new release, uh, John McLaughlin and the Fourth Dimension, Jimmy Hearing and the Invisible Whip, live in San Mm. Francisco. Uh, Live album recorded at the Warfield December 8th, 2017. Uh, I ordered the deluxe edition, which showed up over the weekend, and that includes a two limited edition, two 180 gram, two LP, really bright, cool, bright green, uh, transparent vinyl, CD, uh, and some other stuff. And then also a hand sc- a pr- a print from Monolith Press. And the artwork is done by my good friend of over 30 years and long and friend of the Panic community, Mark Spusta. Uh, the artist and who's doing actually I think he's doing the poster for the Milwaukee show shows in October but Mark did some amazing work for the album cover and for this print so check it out uh, it's kind of funny we talked about how we like uh, Jimmy when he's econo- more economical with his playing this is not economical <laughs> Jimmy hearing um, but if any fans of Mavish New Orchestra um, the, the, set, the track list is eight songs uh, Meeting of the Spirits, Birds of Fire, Eternity's Breath, three awesome uh, Mahavishnu songs. Um, the two bands basically all come on stage together. Apartment Q258 is in uh, in the mix here on this one too. Jason Crosby's in this band with Jimmy. So it's great stuff. So please check it out. Uh, John McLaughlin, Fourth Dimension, Jimmy Hearing and the Invisible Whip live in San Francisco. Uh, you can still order the deluxe thing on Abstract Logic, I imagine, and I'm sure you'll be able to get the standard vinyl and the standard CD at all your favorite outlets. Local record stores. Um, Local record stores, preferably, yes. And I also, want... oh, one, one more plug oh, okay. for a music release. Um, I don't know if it's still on NPR First Listen, but the album is out. Uh, the new Swamp Dog record produced by mm. Justin Vernon from Boney Bear. Oh, wow. Please check it out. I cannot express to you uh, how much I love Swamp Dog. And if you love Swamp Dog as much as I do, you are going to love this record. It sounds exactly nice. like a record Swamp Dog would make in 2018. 
And if you don't know who Swamp Dog is, please check out his first three records. Um, Total Destruction to Your Mind is one of the best songs um, I've heard. He is weird. He is quirky. He is irreverent. And frankly, he's pretty much a musical genius. So please check it out. It's great. And if you don't know, now you know. And if you don't know, um, now you know. So. so, yeah, no, just as you talked about Herring and and if 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 anybody is you know put off by the the uh, you know somewhat criticisms that we've put forward they're probably not listening at this point in the show but i I just want to reiterate that i think jimmy herring is one of the best guitar players alive (laughs) i think think he's amazing and i just occasionally struggle with how he is you know just because I would have the same opinion about anybody. I mean, I literally, like, I don't know that there's anybody who I think would be the perfect fit um, with Panic just because I'm used to hearing those sounds and there's no, really nobody who makes those sounds except for Sam Holt, you know, and I don't know that he's the answer either, you know? So um, it's just, yeah, it's a tough situation and I think he's handled it as well as anybody. So I do want to sort of make a point that, you know, I'd, we probably are hypercritical with, with Jimmy Herring on this podcast. And it's not uh, as a result of his skills uh, as a guitar player, which are, uh, ex- you know, exceedingly high. Um, so, uh, you know, I loved him in ARU. I loved him as jazz, jazz is dead and, and uh, Phil less, you know, PLQ. And uh, I love him in panic most of the time too. So uh and I know this stuff with the invisible whip is fantastic as well. So um, I just wanted to kind of, that when you brought that up, that sort of reminded me that it's important to, to, uh, you know, get, get, you know, not get too far in the weeds on, on things. Well, folks, right. that was our attempt to pander to listeners. No. <laughs> uh, or pander to band members one or the other. <laughs> no. Um, well, Harvey, you have seen Panic 3.1, and thank you for your review and being a, a good correspondent this past weekend. I'm sure one or both of us will see them again in the future. Probably not in 2018, but I imagine we'll see them again in 2018. New Year's? Come on, Jeff. No? Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Um, okay. But probably not. Is it in Lexington? <laughs> if it's in Lexington, for sure, I'll be there. <laughs> hey, speaking uh, of Lexington shows, you're getting Paul McCartney next next spring. That's exciting. Yeah, we are. Tickets are like the pre-sale tickets are on sale. And, and what, they're like $400 uh, a piece. Yeah, I mean, like up top in the upper deck, which is, you know, not really a place you want to be at Rupp Arena, mm-hmm. are 100 And then lower levels are start at 250 And um it's like, you know, with fees and stuff, that's like $600 for two tickets. And it's just, I mean, I love Sir Paul, but like, man, that's a lot. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if that happens. We saw him a couple of years ago in Louisville. And um, so I at least, you know, checked that box. But um, if you want to come up and buy the tickets or, you know, if some of our <laughs> listeners, if our listeners want to buy them for me, I'll go. But um, yeah, he's playing in Madison too, okay. um, right around that same time next year. So it'll be a cool show. I've not seen him, and I think we'd consider going up for it. But uh, yeah, I figured it was going to be really expensive. So 
All right. Well, well, we're gonna, well, we talked about a bunch of music after the uh, after the the panic stuff. So, what are we going to play for our takeout music this week? Should we play Swamp Dog since we might never have a chance to do it again? Uh, that's fine. I was going to play something from the Sam Holt show, but I think Swamp play Dog. Play something would be from better. Sam Holt show. That's great, okay. Sam Holt. All right, here you go, Sam Holt band from the Exit Inn uh, on Friday night in Nashville. This podcast is in the loop. The Legion of Osiris Podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.